What's going on, everybody? And welcome into the 90th episode of the Crazy One Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Stephen Gates, and this is the show where we talk about how to help you be more creative, become a better leader, create more innovative work, grow a stronger career, and a whole lot more. And as always, be sure to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to get the latest episodes whenever those come out. And you know what? Do me a favor. Whenever you're there, take just a couple seconds and either hit the stars or leave a review to let people know what you think about the show. You can listen to all the shows, get the show notes, get my essential creative tools. Those are the things I use every single day. Even get your hands on some Crazy One propaganda. Just head over to thecrazyone.com. That's the crazy and the number one.com. And look, you got any questions, you want this to be a conversation, maybe you just want to kind of keep up with my adventures, you can get more content like this and anything else, just follow me, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Yeah, there's another one of those wonderful, albeit usually all too brief breaks from me being on the road, just back from London and Atlanta. And for everybody who thinks, well, wow, that must be so glamorous. I'm getting up at, and I'm sorry, I'm leaving the house at 4 a.m. tomorrow to catch a 7 a.m. flight to Vancouver uh, for this week, and then I will be in Pittsburgh next week. So always try to take advantages of these little breaks to try to get another episode in. So this week, once again, I want to talk about your career. But this time, I want to talk about something a little bit different, right? So I want to have an honest conversation about why you may feel like your career is stuck. Maybe you feel like you should be promoted and you're not. Maybe you feel like you should be promoted more often and you're not. And, you know, I want to talk about why that's happening, right? Because I think here again, this show comes from the fact that, like I said, week after week, I get emails. I talk to people who are in this situation and it comes up a lot. And they see things like, look, I feel like I'm stuck in my career. I'm frustrated. What am I doing wrong? Should I be doing something different? Like, what, what is going on where I feel like I'm doing what the company has asked of me, I'm doing what my boss is asking of me, and that doesn't seem to be enough, right? Like, why is that not enough for, for me to be able to get promoted? And look, I want to be clear, as always, like, you know, that this isn't a one-size, you know, sort of fits-all answer, right? But I, and I think that, you know, maybe this isn't why this is happening for you. Because, you know, look, there's also the reality that there are plenty of people out there who want to blame why they're not getting promoted on their boss, on their company, on everybody else. And we've talked about that before, right? Like those are the people who want there to be a them when the them is you. But there are times whenever I think, you know, the, the, par- the paranoia is real, right? Where the frustration is definitely real. And so in this episode, I want to do a few different things. I want to look at you know, what is the, the actual problem that you're up against? Because I think it, it's hard to be able to solve a problem if you don't really know what you're solving for. I want to kind of give you a look behind the scenes that for most companies, what does that promotion process actually look like? Um, probably give you a little bit of an understanding of, you know, why your current strategy probably isn't working, right? Because that's why I said, if you're in this place of feeling frustrated, if you saw this title and you said, yeah, I want to listen to this, there's probably a reason why. And then and lastly, I just want to kind of give you a new way of looking at how do you build your career to get better results. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But as always, like let's start with the problem. And I think that the problem is that we've all been lied to candidly. And I think like and we all think that the foundation of how to be successful is the way to be successful. And I think the argument I would make is that in many cases, whenever I talk to people, the way they think and what you think you need to do successful isn't what you need to do to get promoted, right? Like, we all think that by 
being good at work, like doing what you're told, following the plan that like your superiors, your bosses, your company tells you to do, that if you just follow that, that somehow you're going to be recognized and that you're going to be promoted and that, you know, then that's going to be the way to be successful. I think that's, in, you know, look, in some cases, it's true. I would say for the vast majority of people that I talk to and the vast majority of companies, that is an overly simplistic and overly idealistic um, sort of way of looking at things, right? And I think, you know, this, in, in many cases, you know, if we really think about it, it really is true for part of your career, right? Because I think whenever you start out your career, you know, and you really just sort of do that, as you're a more junior person, that does actually work, Right. But the challenge often becomes that as you become more senior, you take on more leadership, you start to climb the ladder. One, there are just going to be fewer and fewer opportunities that are there, but it, it doesn't necessarily continue to work. And I think that it's that transition that kind of nobody told us about. And I think in many cases, a lot of people don't really have a way to see into the upper levels of an organization to understand why what they're doing isn't working. I said this in a previous episode, and it, it got a big reaction from a lot of people, right? And I think, like, you know, you can tell that this promotion process changes and that what I'm talking about is the truth because, you know, the fact is that in some cases, you can actually have no skill, right? Or that skill becomes less relevant as you go up, you know, in an organization. You know, and I know that you know people, and, and I certainly know people that are in very senior positions, executive positions, even C-level positions, that I would argue have no real skill, right, outside of their ability to hit deadlines and kiss ass, which unfortunately is a viable enough currency that it will get you and continue to get you promoted in far too many companies, that there are people, whenever you look at that, whenever you look at the subject matter expertise that they're supposed to have, they don't seem to have it, or they just jump wildly from specializations, like... One year they're in finance and the next year they're in marketing and the next year they're on like the loading dock. But it's just, it's just, again, you know, it's not about for them investing in a discernible skill. And, and I think that in some cases, in some careers, you can do that. But the thing that I would argue is that obviously for a lot of creatives, we invest in something specifically. We are designers, we are writers, we are engineers. We are, like There is something that we are investing in that we said, look, this is what we want to be good at. This is where I'm going to plant my flag. We can pause for like a moment of rage over the fact that this happens, right? And I think you know, many of us know that it's a true statement, and, and you probably just thought of somebody that exemplifies this problem. It's maddening whenever you feel like you're killing yourself. It is maddening whenever you feel like you're putting in the work and you're doing all the right things, and these seemingly just, you know, lemming sort of people keep getting promoted. And I think that's sort of part of the frustration in all of this, is that, you know, for me, good work and dedication in many cases, should count for more than it does, right? Like leadership should have more of a connection to what is actually going on on their teams and reward the people who are really doing the work. That's the way it should be. The problem is, is that in many cases, that's not the way it is. So let's start by really, let's, let's take a look behind the scenes at how this process works. And at, at, at for most companies, like I said, not all, but for most, and this is definitely the most that I've been a part of, for you to get a better understanding of, of where the problems that you're having come from. So here's how the promotion process goes at most companies. And again, the, the numbers and the timing and, and a few things are going to change, but generally, right? So once or twice a year, there's this window that opens for promotions within a company, a division, whatever it is. And what happens is that all the directors, all the VPs, all the higher-ups get together. And what they want to do is they want to meet to discuss who are they going to promote. 
And there's not only going to be just that discussion, but there's also the reality that, you know, for any given quarter, six month, year, whatever it is, there are most likely going to be just a set number of promotions that are available, right? So there's sort of this pool that's in the center of the table of, okay, saying, look, you know, for all these different groups, we have three, five, 10, however many it is promotions that are available. The way you should think about this is it's kind of like the Hunger Games, but like your life and career are at stake here. There's a few things that are kind of at play here. Part of it is your boss, right? Like who is the person that you are sending into that room, into that arena to fight on your behalf and your team's behalf? So there are, there are going to be different aspects of that. Like how much respect, you know, your boss has is going to affect how many people are going to support and, and be able to get behind the people that they're putting forward. Other things like how hard are they willing to fight for that to really make sure that somebody from their team, because that's the thing, right, is if they don't have much political capital, maybe they're just not much of a fighter, they're going to go in there and the, the people who speak more, the people who are more abrasive, the people who have more political power or political capital, those are the ones that are probably going to get the lion's share of the promotion. So I think that those are definitely factors because it, it is this sort of, you know, and that's why I said it, it's a slightly overdramatic, but this sort of like a Hunger Games kind of atmosphere. But then there are other things that go into this, right? So there, there's the individual person. So are they going to fight for you? They're going to put your name forward. Or are they going to get in there and, and really be able to make sure that it happens? But then there's other things that are at play here. One is we'll say, so let's say that you're the person who's up for promotion. Your boss, you're, you know, the head of your group, whoever it is, right? Like they're going to walk into this room and they're going to say your name. And one of the biggest things is, are the other leaders who are in, in there going to know who you are? Because in most cases, what you never want is for your name to be put forward and everybody else says who, right? Because what you want them to do is you want them to know your name. You want them to know what you have done and why you are worthy of this promotion, right? And the problem being that if this is the first time they've heard your name, this probably, honestly, isn't going to go very well for you, right? So this like Hunger Games roundtable plays out. Everyone debates, everyone fights, they plays politics, and they come to a decision. And I think there are a few obvious problems here. And the biggest one is that your career is being decided without you being in the room by a bunch of people who may or may not know who it is you are, and more than likely have little to no real connection to the work it is you're doing. And I think this is what allows this process for people with no discernible talent to be promoted. I've always thought about this as what I would describe as the shepherd fairy effect. I will, of course, explain what the hell that means. Now, if you have any awareness of street art or art or even politics or other things like that, you hopefully know, and if you don't, but like shepherd fairy is one of the probably most popular, most successful, I don't know what, the Andy Warhol of our generation or whatever kind of like cheesy statement you want to make about that. Um, known artist and street artist, mostly for his Obey Giant brand. If you've ever seen the stickers, it has sort of like the simplified Andre the Giant face on it and the word Obey or just the word Obey on it. Uh, maybe you know him because he did the Obama poster that became extremely famous that resulted in the lawsuit from the Associated Press over the use of the photo. Um, or like I said, you, you've been in a city, you've seen a big Obey you know, mural or he tends to have a very kind of iconic style. What that has to do with all of this is, and the reason why it's relevant here is how people look at, and in particular, how he started his brand, right? And it was actually insanely simple because what he realized was that with any amount of propaganda, so if he started to put these Obey stickers, and back then it was even, they were called like Andre has a posse stickers, that if he started to put them everywhere, 
that people would start to think that this was important because that is what people tend to do. If, if I see something everywhere, I hear about something everywhere, all of a sudden I think maybe it is good, something I need to check out, right? Like somehow I'm simply aware of it. But so that's what he did was he just started plastering Los Angeles and other places with these Obey stickers. And wouldn't you know it, people thought it was a thing, started to find out what it was. And because of that, they thought they were missing out on something. And I think the reason why I call this the Shepherd Fairy effect is because it, it worked for him in building the Obey brand. But sadly, that sort of carpet bombing technique works in business, too. Because what is going to happen is that, you know, the, the leader, the person goes to work and they go to work on their own version of their propaganda campaign, right? So they take some achievement, maybe it's big, maybe it's small, maybe it's real or exaggerated, and they start spending months telling everybody about it, right? Like they're going and, and this is their version of putting the stickers everywhere. And when you know it, before long, just like those, you know, stickers, leaders are talking about it. They're asking about it because they're hearing about it. Everybody assumes that because there is a buzz that the person must be doing something great. And as we talked about, the, the fatal flaw in this process is that, you know, much like any sort of propaganda, the flaw in propaganda is that most often people do not take the time to see if that achievement, the story, the project, whatever it is they're talking about is real. And if the impact that the person claims is real. Because, you know, that's the thing is most leaders at large companies don't take the time to get a real pulse or connection with the team. So it doesn't actually matter who that person stepped on. Doesn't matter what they lied about. Doesn't matter who they screwed over or what projects actually didn't deliver because they were so busy on this sort of like PR campaign and, and doing this propaganda campaign so that they can actually get promoted with, you know, you know, potentially no real talent or no real work. And I think, you know, look, this does happen all the time. I think, you know, again, if you're listening to this episode, you may have been in that case where you're just like, you, you know exactly what it is that I'm talking about. But this is why this can happen. Again, like I said, it, it is a flaw in the system where since in many cases they aren't going back and really validating, they're not talking to their team members, they're not talking about the impact, and do people like them or get along, what they sort of reward is the story. And, and I think in many cases they reward people who they feel like are having an impact, right? So part of it is bad, and part of it is good, because you, sh you should reward people that make an impact. You should reward people who risk something. It's just if they are risking something real. I think that when this happens, you will probably do what I've done, right? Because I think I've been through this time and time again, where I got so frustrated and just kind of like throw your hands up in the air about what the hell do I need to do to get ahead? Like, why can people essentially bullshit and lie their way into getting promoted, right? And I think in many cases, that is a, I mean, look, this is where we want to talk about why your career strategy probably isn't working, so knowing that this is the process, knowing that you're frustrated, you know, and that what you're doing isn't working, you're probably finding the fr same frustration, I would bet, job after job, right? Because for most people, what happens in their strategy is, is that like, I've been a job for a certain amount of time. And I, I think, the, you know, the average that you'll see for people in a lot of creative professions is that is somewhere between 18 and 36 months is that usually in that window, people move on. And I think as you talk to recruiters and others, that tends to be the window that they'll look at for when they are primed to be able to move. But right, so like you've been in this job, right? You've been putting in the work and you don't feel like you're getting recognized. You feel like you are getting stuck. And the problem here is that most people solve that problem by thinking it's the company's fault, which like I said, it partially is, right? Like it is the system's fault. But the, the problem is, is that you solve the problem by taking a new job. Because and, and it's understandable why you do that, right? Because it feels good because you've got a fresh start and fresh possibilities. 
But then pretty soon that 18 to 36 month window rolls back around again. And over the course of that time, you slowly slide back into that same old feeling coming back again, right? The same old problems and the cycle repeats itself. And I see this cycle so often. That's why I said, I want to talk about why this isn't working and why you need a new approach. Because, you know, in many cases, you know, we understand that, you know, because of this process, you're going to need to get your name out there. You need to build your story. You need to be known for something. In many cases, though, it's often really good if it's backed up by something real. And you need to going to get this story heard and, and judged in a place where you are not going to be in the room to tell it. And here again, you need to build a brand. And I've talked about this in the past. And in many cases, I think a lot of people still will mistake whenever I talk about building your personal brand that somehow that's like a logo or a typeface. It's not, right? Because if you think about what I just said, if you think about, you know, we need to be able to tell a story, we need to be able to get you known for something, we need to be able to get that story heard in a place where you probably are not going to be in the room to directly tell that story, that is almost the textbook definition of what a brand strategy is, right? And so that's why I continue to keep coming back and harping on this and your need for understanding and building your brand and that this is so much one of those reasons why. Because that's the thing. And and it's like so many other things, right? Like this is a balancing act. On the one hand, you need to be realistic and you need to be able to say, look, is there a possibility of me getting promoted here? Is like, do I have a connection with my boss? Will they support me? So there needs to be some amount of reality there. And we're going to get in that into a minute about what does that mean and, and how do you structure that? Right. So like if there is not the possibility, I see too many people who are the good soldier who feel like if I just do the good work, I'm going to get recognized. And like I said, that's very altruistic. And, and in many cases, I love the fight. But if there is not a real possibility, the right like if the light at the end of the tunnel is a truck, then that's not going to be a good technique for you. But I think the other part of it is to be able to stick with something and, you know, to be able to build on it, or at the very least to think about how do you structure your career in a way where even if you're going to move from job to job, you can sort of pick up where you left off at the last job, as opposed to what too many people do, where you just sort of reset and start over, right? Because I think this is why a lot of people will be trapped in the same salary band or trapped in the same position or trapped in the same level of responsibility because they're not really going out and building their brand. So again, super, you know, it's like, hey, go build your brand, right? But, but so I think there are four kind of areas that I think that we need to work on and that you need to think about to make this successful. The first one, just like any brand, is that you need to focus on what are the things that you want to be known for. Now, the key to this is that these need to be authentic to you and what matters to you, not what you think the company or your boss wants, right? Because here again, if you are focusing on, if I turn into this person, I will get promoted. If you turn into, if I'm this person that my boss likes, then I will get promoted. The problem is that is not a sustainable brand because the reality is, is that companies change, priorities change, bosses change, company, like where you work changes, and if all you're going to do is to run around and, again, to be whatever you think everybody else wants you to be, one, it is a frustrating, stressful, just bad existence, right? Because you're not being authentic to who you are. But like I said, the problem is whenever that executive changes, whenever your boss changes, now all of a sudden you're going to have to become a totally different person. And that is not a good look. And a lot of people can pick up on that where it's like, oh, well, these five things used to matter to me and now none of them do. 
So again, as we've talked with other episodes about trust and about, again, what is the foundational part of this, right? And that's why I said, like, it is just this huge mistake that if you try to build a brand to please your boss or the C-suite or some executive, whenever they leave and you haven't built your own point of view, you usually aren't going to be far behind them and swept out with the old regime. And that's the thing is like, unless, you know, this is somebody that's going to be there for a long time, you're going to be in trouble. And so just like any brand, what I would recommend you do, and again, I've talked about this on past episodes, so you can go back and listen to it, is to think about what are those three things that you want to be known for. The same way whenever I do any brand strategy, whenever I do any brand building, I want to sit down and say, okay, look, if I had to ask somebody what our brand stands for, what do we communicate? Like, what, what is everything we do point towards? These are those three things. I think in your career, you need to be able to have that same sort of thing, right? So like for me, it's the ability to come in and actually create real change. It's the ability to drive human-centered leadership. And it's the ability to really come in and to be able to do really like high-functioning, really good creative work, right? Like I think if people are not in the room, those are the three things that I want them to say. Those are the three things that I've focused on with all of the work that I've done, the talks that I do, right? Like everything tries to answer back to one of those three pillars. The next part of that is I think, and that's where you need to start, right? Because I think if you don't have that, this is why people sort of lose their way and they're kind of like, hey, boss, tell me who you want me to be. Doesn't work. I think once you have that, you need to tell the story clearly and often, right? Because I think when you're clear on what you want and, and you need, you have that understanding of like, you know, look, this is what I need to be able to get to that next position. You need to look at your job, you need to look at your projects, you need to look at your work relationships, and see how do those align to where it is you want to go, you need to look at those and say, how am I telling this story that supports those brand qualities? Because that's the thing is, in many cases, if you just sort of run around and are like, oh, well, this team wants me to be this, so I'm gonna go do that. And this team wants me to do this, so I'm gonna go do that. Like I said, you're being the good soldier, you're putting in the good work. But the problem is you're paying into a bank that has a hole in the bottom of it. Right, because whenever you do that, you are known for nothing. Because honestly, well, that's not true, right? Because if we're being totally honest, what you're known for is that you will do whatever anybody asks you to do. And at the end of the day, as we think about respect and leadership, these are not qualities that are going to get you promoted. And I think for too many people, they think, oh, if I'm just a good soldier, oh, if I just do what everybody says, oh, if I just run around and help everybody, that's going to get me promoted. No, it's not, right? Like that's going to keep you in that same spot because, like I said, nobody wants to follow that person as a leader. You like to have them on the team. You want to take them out to lunch. You want to say thank you. So it gets this sense of satisfaction and reinforcement, right? Like people will like you, but you are going to be unhappy. And then that's why you're going to feel trapped. Because on the one hand, you feel like what I'm doing gets praise. What I'm doing, everybody says is so good. But it's not actually moving my career forward. And damn it, why is that? The other part of this in terms of telling your story is you need to give your boss and other people the stories, the slides, the charts, the screenshots, or whatever else to help them tell your story, right? Like you need to do it. But again, as you're thinking about, you know, sending your boss, wherever that executive is, into these rooms, into the briefings, into the weekly update, like whatever that is, to make sure that you are giving them those stories. And I think that this is a place where a bunch of people get trapped, right? Because I think telling that story can be hard, right? And I think for a few different reasons. And it's one of the reasons, though, why this is important is because at the end of the day, you may feel like it's bragging. You may feel like I'm being too egotistical. And here again, it's about balance, right? Because like, look, if you do it all the time and it's like, hey, 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 look at me, look at me, look how great I am. And that's why I said, I mean, part of this is also you can have your brand and tell your story within and should be in service of a bigger picture, in service of a team, right? Like a brand is not just you going and doing everything by yourself. 
you know, you do it with other people, you take other people along with you, you take them along with the ride, right? Like that is what, you know, essentially a lot of leadership and teamwork should be. But, and I think that in many cases, and look, th this gets back to conversations that are hard, especially in a one way sort of forum like this. It, it gets more complicated like that. Because I think also, if you look at things like gender bias, and if you look at, and unfortunately, a lot of the ways of the way we're raising too many people is that, you know, if you look at, in my experience, and if you look at some of the research, I think that in many cases, you'll see that women, and in some cases, minorities are inherently more reluctant to advocate for themselves, based on, you know, again, where they think they are, right. And, and for many of us, you know, they think that career growth is going to be done through this sort of like lens of people being grateful, or that you need to be, you know, humble, or you almost need to be shy. That's why I said, what I'm not advocating is you become something else. But I'm also advocating that, you know, one, because of gender bias and, and confirmation bias and things like that, people tend to promote the people who look like them. And whenever you're in an organization that tends to probably be dominated by a lot of white men, they probably are going to go out and promote a lot of other white men. And they may do it with really good intentions. They may do it and understand what it is they're doing, and that's the scumbag way. But I think but it is also why telling this story becomes even more important because you're probably going to need to tell it more. You're probably going to need to tell it louder. You're probably going to need to tell it differently to make sure that it it gets done, right? To make sure that it's one of these things where people actually hear the story. Because that's the problem, is that if you think about what is the real reality here, right? And in many cases, I think it's very easy for us to kind of be like, oh, we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna have this sort of Pollyanna way of looking at things like, oh, we're gonna do all the right things and we're gonna get promoted. There, there's, a just, there's also just a, a flat business reality to this, right? Like companies don't like to add expense. They don't like to add more salary. They don't like to add more people, right? Like that tends to be the thing is that for us to be profitable, we need to keep costs under control. So again, you've also have to realize that you're working inside of a structure that is not, you know, I don't know another way. And I know this is too harsh a way to say it. I just don't want to say it. Like they're not rooting for you to succeed, right? I think, do they want you to? Will they sort of do it if they have to? Sure. But again, you know, there is this sort of carrot that is out there that they're going to be reluctant to give because it hurts their bottom line. So it's this really weird symbiotic thing of, hey, you know, here's the reward, but we're going to kind of giving it begrudgingly. And I think, like I said, this is why telling your story is really important. But I think the other thing here that becomes super, super important that a lot of people don't do is that you have goals or KPIs or whatever it is that cut two ways, right? Because what I see is that at most companies, your boss gives you your goals, right? And you talk through them about, you know, how are they going to, what are they going to hold you accountable to, right? Like, what are the things that, that, you know, you need to accomplish this year? The challenge is, though, as with any good relationship or anything else like that, when it's a one-sided conversation, that doesn't tend to work out well for both parties. So in the, whenever I talk about two-way goals, it's that, look, you know, they're going to be very, very clear about how they're going to hold me accountable. What are they going to hold me accountable to? As they should, because, again, that's what this is work, right? Like, that is not unreasonable. But the thing for me is that I also want to understand what can I hold them accountable to. And this can be uncomfortable. And in some cases, in many cases, leadership may not be used to these conversations. But to be able to sit down and to be able to say, okay, look, I want to get to the next level. What are the things that I need to work on to get promoted? What are the, you know, the two or three things that, that you feel are holding me back? And that then I can set about working on those. Because then there's a very clear kind of conversation expectation of what is the business holding me accountable to? 
And then what am I being held accountable to work on? Because the reality is, is then if I don't work on that, then me not getting promoted is 100% on my shoulders, right? But at the same point, if we get to that place where we say, okay, look, you know, these are things you need to work on. I've done that. Everybody agrees that I'm doing really well on that. And, you know, this is the frustrating part is that most of the time you, you need to be doing the job of kind of the next tier before you get promoted to it, right? So most, rarely is it kind of like, oh, I got promoted and now everything's different. It's like, no, now I'm doing what I've always been doing for the last six months. I just finally have the title and the pay to like reconcile that position, right? But I think it, because it is just, you, it is important because you need to be able to hold those companies accountable to your career, career progress, right? Because when your work, you know, it really, and you're working on these issues and you've done those things, then they need to be held accountable to that. And I think many leaders and companies are going to resist this because they, they only like that one-way accountability. Then this is the thing. They get very uncomfortable whenever you have your own brand. They get very uncomfortable when you have your own goals. They get very uncomfortable when you have your own voice in many cases because now you're showing up on equal footing, right? That, that you have some amount of power. You have some amount of control. There is something that you do that again, isn't just you should have this job and you're, you're, you should be grateful for it. And, and look, maybe I'm overly biased on this. It's just, I, I've talked to so many people, I've seen this in my own career, where, you know, it, it is, it's frustrating. And it, it's frustrating that it needs to be this way. And like I said, you wish that good work and, and leadership and things like that accounted for more. But that's the thing, is that in many cases, the only person who's going to look out for your career in many cases, the only person that's going to drive it forward to make sure that it's getting to where you want it to be is you. And that's the thing is I think in many cases, we feel like, oh, well, if we put in the work and again, do the things like we're being told, then other people will do that. And look, there are some people, there are some amazing people. The problem is they are far, far too rare who really lean in and do that. And and I think what why this becomes important is because whenever you are clear on what you want to be known for, when you are clear on telling your story, when you're clear on having those two-way goals, that the, the other thing that happens is if you do decide to leave your job, instead of starting over with a new job, and you know because that's the problem is whenever you're just sort of like, hey, I hate this place and I leave, and you're not clear on that, you're not building any brand equity in this process, right? And and so. That's sort of the problem is that every time your brand has to start over and you have to become known for something different. And again, I think that's what if you probably look at the careers of the people you admire, and I would say even in my career, that's sort of what I did was I just I, I even took those and I externalized them. I did it through speaking. I've done it through podcasts. I've, I've, done, I've done it through a lot of things and said, look, this is what I stand for. And the thing that I'll say is I know that this is a moment of anxiety because just like building any brand, whenever you say this is what I stand for, some people are going to like it. Some people won't. And as I've said in previous episodes, I will continue to argue that while I know that this is anxiety-inducing, especially I know the mentality that when you're in the hiring process, right, and especially if you're frustrated with your job, like that first attention you get just feels like air to a drowning person, right? Because you're just kind of like, oh, because suddenly there's the rush of possibilities and the, the rush of something new and the, the ability to start over. But that's the thing, right, is if, if that and the start over is complete, then again, it is going to be short-term euphoria for long-term frustration because you need to be able to find these sort of things that are going to want and, and be able to you know really latch on to your skills, latch on to what you bring. Because that's the thing is you want to find the jobs that are let you build on those, let you continue to grow your career over the span of your entire career. So then that way you can look at how this job led to the next one, led to the next one, led to the next one. And there was a constant progression. There was a constant growth. And I think especially for a lot of people, 
as you start to get up into those higher levels, as you start to get more up into leadership, as you start to do those sort of things, look, it's just easier to say, I'm going to be what the company wants me to be. I, I understand mentality. I mean, God knows I've been there. But I think that in those moments, that's when it is about saying, look, this is who I want to be. Because that's the other part is if you look at, go and look at the behavior of the leaders at your company. I guarantee you, like for the vast majority of them, they have their own brand. They have what they are known for. They have positioned themselves. They are known for getting shit done or they are known for being able to create change or they're known for getting costs down, right? Like there is something where you can say, oh, that is their brand. That is what got them there is their ability to tell that story, is their ability to invest in that sort of thing. Like I said, the frustrating part is that, you know, sometimes those skills aren't always real and it's a better story than a reality. But again, isn't that the world of branding and advertising is there are so many products that look amazing in a commercial and are complete crap whenever you try them. It just sort of cuts all the way through. But here's sort of where I want to, I don't know what, start to wrap this up a little bit. Is that like everything else I talk about on here, This it's a balancing act. Because on the one hand, the idea that you do good work and get recognized doesn't work, right? Companies want people who can get things done. And, and that's what they will reward. Often, no matter how they behave or who they screw over, again, it is the ability to be known for something. It is the ability to accomplish things. And I think there is also, you know, your willingness and your ability to stand up for yourself. Because I think even in putting this episode together, it's a bit disheartening for me, I think, to look back over my career and to realize that I've never had a promotion that I essentially didn't have to take by force. And, and look, I didn't go in and say, look, give me this promotion or I'm leaving or things like that. But again, as I look at having two-way goals, as I look at the conversations with my bosses over you know the, the years, it has been about, look, you said I needed to work on this or we need to accomplish this or do that. We did that. What's the holdup? And I know that sometimes there's the business reality of we don't have the budget and we need to wait for that. That's fine. Like, I'm willing to have some amount of patience, right? Like, this isn't a hostage negotiation. Like, yeah, I need to understand that. But at the same point, my patience isn't infinite. And in so many cases, what I've had to do is to be able to say, look, you know, if, you're, if you can't tell me what is holding me back, I, I, need to, I need to fight for myself. I need to stand up for my value. I need to stand up for my career. And that what's going to happen is that if in this next promotion cycle or something, if you can't come back with a really concrete reason about why I'm not going to be promoted, if you can't come back with a real, you know, or come to come back with it, then you need to understand, like, look, I'm not, I'm not coming in and, you know, quitting in a blaze of glory and you're doing something stupid like that. But you need to understand that at some point, and, and this is the thing I'd want you to remember, inaction is an action, right? Like the ability to, if you're going to keep stringing me along, if you're going to keep sort of doing those things, like I said, if I feel like I'm building my brand, I'm showing those sort of things, I'm answering the bell on everything. And if you can't say to me, hey, look, this is what you're not doing, then we then tell me why this isn't happening. And that if that doesn't happen, then again, I'm going to look at inaction as an action. And what I'm going to do then is I'm going to slowly start to pack, right? I'm going to start to leave. I'm going to start to interview. I'm going to start to talk to recruiters. I'm going to start to do those things because it's obvious to me that there's not the trust, there's not the respect, and there's not the recognition here. And and like I said, as I think if you're doing a good job of telling your story, then that's what I'm looking for in that next position. That's what it is that I've been talking about. That's what it is that I can build on. But it is about it building on and not just simply taking the next thing because it's the next thing, right? But your brand and your plan can't also be blind, right? Because I think that there's a lot of other people and I think that there's a tendency in some of this, like you can't be blind to feedback and to growth, right? And that 
it, it again, it's a balancing act between you need to stand up for yourself. You need to understand your value. You need to understand what it is that you bring to the table and that has value because that's the problem is in many cases, this process can be dehumanizing and make you feel like you don't have the value that you should. But the other part of it is, like I said, you're gonna have to stay open to feedback and growth your entire career. But the inflection point where I see most people stumble is that you're going to have to kill this tell me what to do mentality, right? That tell me what to do mentality that was probably the foundation of your career. The tell me what to do mentality that probably got you to even where you were whenever you started to have these problems. Because like I said, it, it will serve you to a point. But at the point whenever you start to get frustrated, the point whenever you want to start to excel, the point whenever you want to become promoted, like I said, those are the people that everyone wants because you can tell them what to do. Who doesn't want those people around? Like, yes, I, I want to be surrounded by those people. But the problem is at the end of the day, I'm probably not going to promote those people. Be, you know, or at the very least, if that's the only thing they do, right? Because that's the thing. I want people who are going to show up. I want them to be thoughtful. I want them to have their own ideas. I want them to fight. I want them to stand up for what it is they believe. Yeah, there are going to be moments where it's like, look, we need to get on this plan. And I, you just can't have a bunch of rebels running around because that's chaos, anarchy, and like that doesn't work. But there is just understand that, that there is that mentality shift. And, and think about what has your mentality been, right? Like, like take a little bit of time and just think back about for where you've been, right? Like what, is, what has your behavior been like? Are you representing, like what, what do you, if you went out, what, what do you think people say about you? Like what are you known for? Are you telling that story? Do you have those sort of two-way goals? And what is your mentality about how you show up every day? Because I think that is the issue. The tell me what to do mentality at long term isn't successful. And I think also the other part of it is even, and, and we get into this when we got into design imposter syndrome, even if you're that sort of person who's like, look, I'm going to go out and I'm going to kill it every day, right? Like I'm going to work super hard. I'm going to be super smart. I'm going to do things like that. There's also that problem that if you sort of perform a miracle every day, pretty soon people just think it's work. And, and you need to think about, again, just like any brand, how do you keep the special moment special? How does the hard work get recognized? But it's like I said, to also make sure that what you're doing as you go through your career is that you are building on what you have done, not wiping the slate clean and starting over, right? Because if it's the second or third time you have started over and you're not building on that, that's when the frustration, the questions, and this conversation comes in. So hopefully this will give you a little bit of a better basis to start to think about this. And like I said, the, the challenge here is, man, there's just so much nuance and difference in all these different companies that part of this may make sense, part of it doesn't, but but the one truth in this, and again, the one thing you can control is you. So as always, you can find out more about this podcast. You, I'll put all the show notes in and all this sort of stuff. You can uh, head over to thecrazyone.com. That's the words, the crazy and the number one.com. Uh, look, I mean, if you, if you aren't subscribing to the show, what the hell is wrong with you, right? I mean, just seriously, I'm giving you gold here for free. Damn it, subscribe. But <laughs> just can't say that ever with a straight face. Um, but just, you know, look, subscribe so you're sure you don't miss a show. I, I'm trying to point out as regularly as I can, but, you know, look, I, it's not like clockwork. Uh, yeah, hey, whenever you're on your podcast, you know, where you're on that favorite platform, do me a favor, leave a review. It makes a big difference. Uh, follow me on social media. You can like the show on Facebook, ask questions, do whatever you want there. As always, everybody down in legal wants me to remind you that the views here are just my own. They don't represent any of my current or former employers. This is just me out here talking. And finally, in all, in all 90 of these episodes, I say it every time because I mean it every time, but thank you for your time. I know that time is truly the old luxury that any of us actually really have. I was incredibly humbled you want to spend any of it with me. So go out. Think about what you're doing, right? Like focus on what you want to be known for. Tell your story. Have those sort of goals and, and stand on equal footing with your company. Build that brand. Damn it, get promoted and get recognized. And hey, all the while, and as always, stay crazy.